Hey everybody, today on Sips and Stories, we have some of our longtime friends, Forsaken Media on. They are some of the first entrepreneurs that we ever knew really well. They are just so genuine, very unique. Today we have a coffee guest from Guatemala that I also think it just shines with flavor, Gardelli. And some of the tasting notes include a fruity apricot and um, a robust earthy a backbone or as one of our guests says in this episode dirt welcome jamie miley tom and boomer the four brothers that make up forsaken media an interesting coffee is a product of its environment the flavors are shaped by the climate weather region how it's prepared, roasted, and brewed brings out the subtle notes that make it unique. People's stories can be the same. We talk with unique people and dive into what shaped their stories and successes. This is Sipson Stories. This is the Sips and Stories podcast, and today we are here with Forsaken Media, and I'm excited to hear about them and their origin story, and I think they're going to have some cool stuff to share. We also have an excellent coffee guest today, more about that later, but to start it off, Forsaken, who are you and what do you do? (laughs) I'm Connor Jackson. I don't know if I have to say my last name. But uh, yeah, we're four brothers that started our own game company. I guess everybody should go around. I don't know. Uh, yeah. All right. My name's Jamie. I'm the 3D artist of the group. My name's Tom. I'm the oldest of this group in the company. Jamie's second oldest. Connor's youngest. And I do a little bit of everything. Miles, I'm the third oldest. <laughs> and I'm the engine trying to programmer. get that deep voice. <laughs> That's right. You got to go real deep. <laughs> Connor, what do you do? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm a gameplay programmer primarily. All of this is making He's my sense employee. My I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so that's what you that's y'all's roles, but what does the company produce? So we make mobile video games on iOS and Android. And yeah, we have I think about 18 out or something. Yeah, I was counting in the car on the way here. Yeah, it's, 18 It's games. over 15 games. We've been wow. doing it for more than 12 years. Man. Wow. That's pretty crazy. I remember being friends with Connor at NC State and kind of this all starting, but I don't want to spoil it. So if you guys want to tell a little bit about how you found yourself starting your own venture to make games as four oh, brothers. I feel like it started with tom's iphone one really we had always played video games uh, a lot in the house but i think when tom brought the iphone one home it was like wow this is like something that we could actually do the the barrier of entry was low it was actually it was feasible for us to actually start something it was when the app store first started coming around yeah i remember though you had the windows phone with like a pull out <laughs> keyboard and you're yeah. like iphone's well, terrible we were, i know we were all like uh, tom and his stupid iphone yeah. <laughs> that guy thinks he's so bad with an iphone yeah. one. and he lived in new york at the time so it was like yeah. freaking elite new yorker <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, we had always, I feel like we had always wanted to do something um, prior to the iPhone. We had talked about web design. And in fact, Jamie and I oh, had talked yeah. about this earlier. That's the reason why the company is called Forsaken Media and isn't related do to zero getting, media. Yeah, because <laughs> we wanted to keep our options open <laughs> yeah. with web. But after my boss at the time at, at the New York Times, he got an iPhone. And yeah, I just remember when I saw it, I thought like, this is the future. I feel like sort of VR now and and like what Jamie touched on, it really seemed to be a medium that that we could compete being four people. Yeah. And we had no experience like with anything related to actual game development. I don't know if you guys did something in school. I I did I had released a flash game. Oh, that's and right. that had done decently apocalypse yeah it was i think it was like four hundred thousand plays on a flash portal on congregate that was old do paper rpgs count (laughs) (laughs) yeah we were making a lot of paper rpgs as kids yeah you did game dev or yeah i did a graphics programming class at nc state that kind of led right into uh engine work yeah like when we first started talking about game dev so Again, I'm the 3D artist and I had absolutely, I've always been into art. Everyone was surprised when I became a teacher, actually, (laughs) instead of doing art. But uh, so, yeah, I had absolutely no experience and it was me and Miles who got together really early and just started, I picked up 3DS Max and just started dabbling in there and Miles took what I made, which was really crappy stuff. Miles (laughs) took that and got it working on screen and it was like wow this you know we're talking about like a paper zombie or something (laughs) to start with but I think when we first saw something on the screen it was like wow this could actually translate into something and that led us into our first game NY Zombies yeah that and that was back in the app store early app store days where everything was 2d there most things were like simple like pong and just really yeah. simple games, and Stick we were crap. going for a 3D game, which was very rare, because at that time, there weren't any game engines that the Joe Schmo could use. Yeah. So w- everything we did was built from the ground up, and then years later, these engines like Unity and Unreal came about, and so that opened up the doors for a ton of new developers, because basically all that work that Miles and Jamie were doing on, from the ground up, like those engines put that foundation for everybody so they can just jump right into the game. So a 3D game early on was like, it was unique because there weren't many. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's so funny too. We That game took about a year to make and we came up with the zombie concept early and we thought, <laughs> oh, there's no zombie games on the app store. And then it's a year later, probably about nine Every months later. Game. Yeah, before three, like about three months before we launched it was just a wave of zombie games. So by the time our game came out, it was just another zombie game. (laughs) We started this three years ago. Yeah. So for me, I don't know all of our guests all that well, but these guys, I feel like I know pretty well, uh, or at least I've known them for a a long time. And one of the things I want to ask about, I think you guys just hit on it is in the beginning, right? you have these ideas and you're starting to bring them to life with the crappy paper animations that you talked about. (laughs) Yeah. So how did you guys, it seems like it started with you two, Jamie and Miles, convince these other two guys, like what kind of pitch would that have been? 
look at this crappy paper thing we made. You want to quit your job and do this? <laughs> no, we were definitely all on the same page. Okay. It, it wasn't like we started it and then brought everybody in. We, in fact, I think, so I, I quit teaching, uh, to, to start and, I guess Miles and Connor had just finished school. I was something. still in school. Oh, I was doing right. a co-op at Sony Ericsson. And oh, yeah, so I was still hard in school. And I was uh, contracting, doing a web development. So just splitting time between web dev and tinkering around with this engine stuff. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was more of, yeah, we were all on the same page. I think it was more of, let's just see if we can make a game and see what it does. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm trying to remember back. Did because I quit my job, so I'm trying to remember if my expectations were actually like. I don't think we expected to make a living on this. I just think I hated teaching, so I quit. And it was like, hey, this should be a pretty cool, at least a cool pastime. But I think we made NY Zombies. Uh, we thought it was a cool game like Connor touched on it was one of the few 3d games and it actually ended up doing pretty well and it was like whoa at that point it wasn't livable but it was like what the heck here we are just a bunch of Joe Schmoes like making a game and it actually like showed us the potential that that there is and yeah we talked about our initial expectations and we were all like maybe we'll make a hundred dollars each and we were happy with that because yeah. it was just, it would be cool to have a game out on the app store that we could be like, look what we made. Yeah. So real quick, I love this. And I feel like so many business owners feel this way and it's a sign of success in my mind, but you guys decided this was something that you were passionate about and that you wanted to do. And that if you could make money from it, then that's cool, but you are going to do it. Right. It's going to be a side hustle or a hobby or your main thing, but you were going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So at I mean, what point, Tom, did you quit the New York Times? Yeah, I want to say it was probably, what, a full year of, yeah. of yeah, doing it part-time before we decided to go full-time. And even when we went full-time, there wasn't, like, this tipping point where we released a game and then it was like, wow, we're making enough money now to where we can do this full-time. There was a good year, maybe two years, More, I can't yeah. remember, where... We were making a pittance. I <laughs> yeah. mean, everybody was just eating up their savings accounts. And we um, were lucky to have savings <laughs> yeah, to, to last sure. through yeah. that. Like, yeah. definitely, we were I was talking privileged to, in that sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was talking to Miles. I remember it, there was an early month where I think we brought home, each of us for the whole month, like $275. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember we were deciding how much each of us could take home. And we were saying like 270, I think we could each swing an extra $5 (laughs) in our paychecks. Yeah. We can totally relate to that. Cause like (laughs) David's first year starting the law firm, I think he brought home like nine grand or something. (laughs) And at that point we were like, yes. (laughs) Yeah. In general, I think that's an important aspect of starting your own business is realistic expectations. It's obviously there are going to be exceptions, but just like jumping into something completely blind with no expectations is not a great thing. Like we talked about, we had savings and stuff and we had we weren't expecting much, but we were prepared for it. And I feel like even now, after the fact that we see just how lucky we are, because now being in the industry for 
a decade plus, we see that the failure rate of indie developers is like through the roof. It's very high. So to be where we are today is certainly something that we don't take for granted. Yeah. Before we go any further, this coffee is probably at the pristine, correct temperature. I Um, keep reaching for it. Sipson Stories is sponsored by Morgan and Perry Law. Based in Fuquay Varina, serving the larger Triangle area. You won't find us in the courtroom. You'll see us reading the fine print of all the contracts that you don't want to read. We love to serve our clients in three main areas. Business law, estate planning, and real estate closings. So whether you're starting a new business, writing a will and testament, or closing on the loan to your dream home, we're happy to help assist you to the finish line. Contact our office at 919-584-5293. That's 919-584-5293 for a consultation. David Morgan and Nolan Perry. Find out more at morganperrylaw.com. Are you sick of burning your hands when you pour a piping hot cup of coffee? We at Sips and Stories understand your pain. Burned fingers and palms and constantly wet hands. My hands are wet. This can start out your morning on the wrong foot. Especially if you pour hot coffee on that foot. But there's a new and exciting technology that solves this issue for good. Cups. Teams of scientists have perfected a solution that's basically a small bowl with high walls. Cups. And later advancements in cup technology led to breakthrough upgrades, like handles. Cups changed my life. So rush out today and get a cup of your very own. Cups. Like a bowl for drinks. Here's what you're going to want to do. All right. You're going to want to slurp it to where you just blast it into all parts of the palate. Okay. That's where you're going to get the most flavors. And just, if you have the urge, just feel free to say something. What's your first impression? It could just be blue, right? It could be a color. All right. Pretty good. Bright. (laughs) Yeah. Bright's good. Good My first word was... (laughs) I was thinking flowery or floral. Dirt. <laughs> no. This is coming from somebody who I've had one cup of coffee in my entire life. So. Fruity, that, but I don't know if it's fruity. Is yeah, it? yeah. Yeah, that's Gosh. right on. Yeah, Let me do identify tart. those notes. I like it's it. It's crazy because, and I feel like I can see it on your faces. This happens to everybody and us too. It's, I know it tastes like something, but my like vernacular or my language can't connect the pieces. What does this taste like? It tastes like something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I like it. I usually drink my coffee black. So I feel like any coffee that has like I, any kind of flavor, really, I just don't want to drink charred beans. This tastes good. Yeah. Might need some more. (laughs) How do you guys normally drink your coffee, Tom? Black. 
Yeah. This is delicious. I just, I'm trying to think of some profound word to describe <laughs> it. And I just keep thinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so this is from Gardelli Specialty Coffees. It's from Guatemala. And the tasting notes, does anybody like, first thing that comes to your mind, just plumb it out. Anybody else? I feel like Chikandi had a plum coffee, and that's what we it's did. making me think of. We did. Uh, Nothing. Nice plug. Flowers. <laughs> yeah. Well. All right. Their tasting notes are blackberry, red grape, lemon curd. That's where that uh, tartness is coming in. And a certain type of sugar. But I don't know what that word is. <laughs> Muscovado. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. I usually drink my coffee. I always drink my coffee black nowadays, but I would be curious what this would taste like with a little bit of sugar. Because sometimes when you're cooking, it's like you can put a bunch of spices in, but if you don't put any salt in or sugar or something, then it's like hard to really distinguish it like without the salt or sugar. So I'd be curious to see if I could taste like the grape more, Mm -hmm. even with a granule of sugar. This is a a natural coffee. Basically, a coffee bean is actually a cherry. The bean is a seed. And so they pick the cherries, and there's certain ways that they can process that. So one is called a washed process. That's the most typical. You remove all of the fruit from the seed and then wash it and then let it dry. A natural process, you're letting that seed dry in the fruit itself, and then, and then you take remove the fruit like meat from it uh, later. So it really soaks up all those fruity, delicious notes. That's cool. Interesting. Do they use the fruit? I was going to say that. In a natural process, I don't think so. But uh, what's it called? Not cassava. That's a vegetable. Yeah, there's a tea that they make from that, and it's pretty interesting. It's a unique drink. I really like it. For some reason, it doesn't seem to be popular anywhere that I've ever been to, but I can't think of the name of it either. Yeah. It's going to hit me as soon as this is over. But <laughs> but it's very, like, I would say it's more like a coffee-forward tea. Yeah, it's more, it's definitely a tea, but it has some coffee notes to it. One of the things that we wanted to do on this podcast is, obviously, we're passionate about a coffee, and we want to talk to you guys about what you're passionate about. But coffee becomes good based on its terroir if we're being bougie but the area the environment in which it's grown the soil the weather everything that makes up its environment so the question i would ask you guys is do you think there's something particular in the way that you guys were raised where you were born that lends itself to doing what you do it could have been the area that you grow up in or the particular family or a hundred other things I feel like right off the bat, this isn't necessarily related to what we do, but it's just something that I've noticed as an adult is I feel like our personalities really blend well together. And it's something that I used to take for granted among siblings, but I feel as an adult seeing a lot of other siblings who have falling apart, it's tough to get together for Thanksgiving. Sometimes I feel like we just, our personalities just sort of clicked to the point where, like I said, we had talked about working together way before Forsaken Media, just doing something together just because we liked hanging out and 
we're all very easygoing people. So I feel like that has really helped this company. It wouldn't have even been possible. <laughs> yeah, I'm always surprised when I shouldn't be, but people are like, wow, you guys, like four brothers yeah. working together. It's what's big whoop. And it's, <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah. Because everybody else I know has like <laughs> siblings they hate and stuff. It's, <laughs> it's not just like a, an, an automatic guarantee. But yeah. Yeah. And also growing up, we would end up playing a lot of games together and a couple like Tekken and a game on Super Nintendo Tetris Attack were really big ones for us where we would just Mario Kart. Yeah, Mario Kart. We'd switch out and we would just play one on one and then <laughs> loser switches out, next one up and just yeah. repeat over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean video games was definitely in our DNA. And I think having uh there's five brothers total, but just having so many boys in the family. It was yeah. like that just that automatic sense of competition and video games was a perfect outlet for that. Also, we had a lot of pen and paper games and just yeah. physical games. So like Magic the Gathering, Warhammer, like Dungeons and Dragons type stuff. So I feel like that really being physical, it was it let us get our gears turning and we were able to be come up with our own games and come up with our own rules. And we made a, just a lot of random pen and paper games growing up. So a quick narrative about that. I feel like I have to mention this. What grade were you in miles when you wrote that RPG that we later played as adults? <laughs> Revenge of chaos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Let's see. Brian wrote the original. Revenge that's our of oldest chaos. brother. Yeah. That's our oldest brother. Um, and then I feel like Connor and I worked on that one. What we did a see, yeah, we did a cool. sequel Elementary to his school. game. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like the Return of Chaos. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> There's a couple things to note here. First of all, that when I was in, and what grade did you say? Maybe a sixth. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, I was definitely not writing RPGs. <laughs> so something was different a long time ago. But uh, on the one side, that was a. Uh, awesome game to play was it? and it yeah, was, I was hilarious gonna, i was gonna ask you was it was it, did it hold up after <laughs> all the years i had to uh i was the dungeon master and i had to edit some rolls to keep it going yeah. <laughs> roll the dice it's like 12 yeah you hit okay next up yeah. <laughs> whatever it's, so just for the people who might not know an rpg is a role playing game so you are a certain character throughout this world and if you guys can explain this better than me then go right ahead because that pretty much <laughs> like sums a, it up yeah, it was it. like a lot to explain but anyway it was fun and it's um it's just crazy that you wrote something that would still be i'm sure there had to be some edits to it but it was still cool like a decade later okay i was just gonna say it yeah another thing too which just speaking to us growing up and and our what we gravitated to. A lot of people don't think about how many different aspects go into making a video game. There's not only storytelling, there's music, there's the technical side, there's the artistic side. And I feel like all those traits, one of the things when we started this company, we thought it was really amazing how each, between the four of us, we really had everything that you needed to make a game. We're all very technically inclined. Even our artist is a former math teacher who actually majored in math in college grew up you know playing music i remember early jamie and i used to create comic book characters <laughs> i used to like tom would think them up and come up with the concept <laughs> yeah and then jamie would draw them and then jamie would draw these comics miles and connor have always been very technical we've all had some artistic qualities to us connor's 
painting the icons of all of our games right now. So I feel like that artistic technical mix just was like the perfect set of qualities we just didn't even realize until we started making games yeah to do that and that's what's crazy is we didn't like choose to each go in these avenues that would later match up perfectly for making a game it was just like when we decided that we wanted to make games it was like wow yeah this Every, this works natural fit yeah, yeah. it's like jamie was naturally the artist i naturally wanted to program tom was at the new york times so he was doing like a lot of user interface making mm-hmm. cool like flash games and stuff i remember that one where it was like texting and driving on the new york times that was really cool yeah. and then miles is super like into the freaking math. The nitty-gritty math he's just really Good into God. it which <laughs> Set, set everything stuff, up for I mean, us. the stuff that Miles does in the yeah, like we touched on before, the the engine was built from the ground up by Miles, like completely by Miles, and and including today, the games that we do today are it's still on the same engine. So it's it's just it's pretty incredible that we we didn't even have the choice because so long ago they didn't have some of these mainstream engines that mm-hmm. that people can just build their games on. But yeah, it's really, it's pretty astounding to me that we're still using homegrown technology, competing with people making games on Unreal Epic's Unreal Engine. That's yeah. it's pretty crazy. I wanted to bring up, so yeah, like your history as a family. I think it seems like very normal to you guys because like you grew up with a lot of brothers and so it just seems like very normal, but from an outsider's perspective, like this is not normal. (laughs) (laughs) And so there's been so many hilarious stories that Connor has shared over the years of like your childhood brotherhood years. Can you tell me what a is? (laughs) So That's yeah, somebody, yeah, Con- exactly, Connor. <laughs> somebody who actually, we, I think we're either in between or we definitely lean on the introverted side, uh, except we, for the old, our oldest brother. And we got <laughs> yeah. a lot of our socialization because we had four brothers. A lot of our yeah. social interactions were within the house. But yeah, so a social. It was a negative connotation. It was somebody who was sociable. Somebody <laughs> who's who actually hanging yeah, somebody, somebody who, who has friends. friends and actually hung out with people and it's <laughs> stupid social. Yeah. If I got a if I got a call from a friend, it would be like, Don't answer it because I don't want to be a social. <laughs> yeah. Set me back a little bit. <laughs> I had to learn how to make friends again. Yeah. Here you are today, though, with the most friends by That's far. Right. I, I couldn't hold so him down. Bad. It's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with having one friend. <laughs> it's all good. By choice. So you guys touched on this earlier. This is two questions in one. First of all, how do you guys define success? I'll just keep it at that one because for me, it's so multifaceted it's not just how much money that you can make I, I think yeah so i'll just let you guys speak to that for me i feel is doing what we love to do which is what we're already doing being able to live off of it, it. yeah and oh already foul <laughs> Ooh. tom just spilled his coffee tom spilled his <laughs> <laughs> no. 
I think it went on the floor. So yeah, it went all on my shorts. Oh, yeah. well, at least it wasn't on the computer. Uh, Miles bright pants. khaki shorts. <laughs> it could have been worse. It won't show on Miles' jeans, but Tom's, Tom's shorts are worse. I wore bright white shorts. <laughs> I was just, I was saying, yeah, doing what we love, oh, yeah. being able to make a living off it, and. If we're talking peak success, it would be also working whenever we want, like which is which which we're <laughs> close we're, to, what we're we close to it. Yeah, uh, I just took like, an Elden Ring day. <laughs> uh, we played basketball every Thursday. Thing, you know, uh, yesterday was my Elden Ring day. So, <laughs> for the people at home, Elden Ring is a popular RPG video game that just came out. Uh, I haven't played it, but it's super cool. popular. Yeah. They'll well, know. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah, won't. <laughs> It's funny regarding success because early on, like I said, we were not making any kind of money at all. And I remember it was actually a big discussion within the company. You know, what we would love to do is just solely focus on making games and not think about money at all and just make the best, the coolest game we can come up with. And for a long time, that wasn't working. And it was a big point of contention at one point early in the company, how much if at all, we need to focus on the business aspect. And I remember Jamie was a big advocate for, it's something we need to pay attention to. And while we would love to just focus on the artistic side, focus on the game making, we ended up realizing a lot of it through Jamie brute forcing us through that, which is that in order to make the games in any capacity, it was something that we needed to pay attention to and focus on. And it's still to this day is something that we do not like working on. We're working on games. The slog is usually the, the game economy, the monetization. But without that, we wouldn't be here doing what we're doing now. So we did have to, quote unquote, sacrifice a little bit of that. Yeah, that ideal. Definitely. That's something about game dev in general. It sounds great. Like, making games or whatever cool yeah i mean that, that it is cool i'm not gonna lie but, i feel like people picture but, like a willy wonka fun house yeah, or something yeah, you're just playing games yeah, that's exactly. all you're not making but them you're just yeah there's playing. there's a lot to it that that is not great for us like tom mentioned it was it, the, the the app store has changed so much as well that it just sucks that we have to think about monetization at all yeah early on heck when we really sent my zombies they didn't have didn't even have in-app purchases. No ads either. Yeah. It was just flat upfront price. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We could just, we could focus on the games, but I feel like quickly uh, they released in-app purchases. Free games started becoming a thing and it was like, oh, great. Yeah. And yeah, it's... Yeah, it's funny too because even regarding that monetization and, and what you asked, what is success to us and how everybody said, you know, there's definitely like the key motivating factor is quality of life as well as what we're doing. There's the business aspect of it, which we have to deal with. We're still not laser focused on that. I feel like a lot of people get sucked into. We've been successful enough to where if we had followed the quote unquote uh, correct business path, we would have hired more oh, employees. Yeah. Our business would be bigger than it is now. We possibly would be making more money but we'd probably all be managers. We'd have an HR person. And just as, as far as what our goals with, which is why we're still just four brothers doing this thing, is that want to be able to work 
when we want to work, we want to be able to play basketball every Thursday. You know? yeah, that's why we started this company to, yeah. to, to have a to work like every Thursday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm proud of ourselves that we've stuck yeah. to it because yeah, again, definitely. like we could, we possibly could be making more money if we just really I looked mean, at it as a, from a cold hearted business. We've turned, we've even, we've had some up, like some pretty major opportunities that we actually turned down can we talk about i don't know okay. when that thing <laughs> well, it was an nda i don't know yeah. if it expired or what i, I didn't know yeah. if yeah i guess we. as an attorney talk. if you're not oh, sure yeah. you should probably just <laughs> yeah, not probably. say <laughs> good advice yeah but i mean we've been approached by at least one very recognizable franchise that asked us to make a uh a mobile game and we just decided that that it would take away so much of what we love about what we do. Behold, yeah, the freedom being beholden to somebody else. We have our own, make our own creative decisions. We make our own work decisions. Schedules. I mean, yeah, everything. So, yeah. No deadlines, really, which is <laughs> yeah, nice. Every, it's self-imposed deadlines, yeah. but the, you miss it, and it's, oh, next week's, <laughs> next week is the time. That's game dev for you. It's two years later, <laughs> if you launch the game. Yeah. yeah, and one thing about that, though, which is also really cool about us keeping it to four brothers, is we all trust each other. I'm not, if Connor does set a deadline or whatever, or I do, or I'm not worried about what he's doing, whether he's working whether he's pulling his weight, we, we all know each other. Obviously, we've grown up each other. We've known each other our whole lives, and we know what we're getting from each other as coworkers. And that's something that's really nice, and, and it's actually part of the reason why we haven't hired anybody else is because you just have that uncertainty yeah. of what you're getting. Can I trust this mm -hmm. person? And Do I and need I, to stay on top of right. them for yeah. them to do their work? Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a lot of implicit trust with us where, yeah. It's just, you trust them to do, you trust everybody to do your work and that's it. You don't need to do anything else yeah. except for your own. Yeah. So you mentioned the failure rate of indie game makers. Do you think part of the reason why you guys have been able to do this, and it seems like you guys could tell me, it still seems fun, is that you've allowed yourself that freedom, those Thursdays to to lose to me in basketball and, um, <laughs> things this like that that's actually that true <laughs> that is true <laughs> that it is true i'll give him that yeah. but you don't have to drop it 20 times in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, hey, you already just said two, that just two <laughs> what was the question <laughs> i don't even think that was a question that was just uh, i just wanted to drop another brag but the question is do you think because you've been able it seems like you've been able to keep your original dna and because of that, you're not burnt out. You're oh. not like fighting. You're not saying, oh, I can't believe I have to go into work again today. Absolutely. Um, and so, Because I work with a lot of business owners that just seem like they don't say this, but it seems like they would probably love to quit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were just talking about that. Yeah. A big part of why we've been able to make it 12 years or whatever is because, because we've been managing work-life balance. Obviously, we're able to do that with, with our own company, but- and I feel like just watching Connor over the years, like that's developed more and more like over the years, like in the beginning, it maybe wasn't so balanced. Oh, oh yeah. definitely. We worked a lot. I feel like in the early years getting started and obviously with more success and our we've games adapted. doing better, we've toned down the work amount of work hours and it's scaled up more of trying to balance our own 
work work personal life and also your personal lives have also grown like mm-hmm. since those yeah. Yeah. years true too. yeah when you're yeah. single like when you're single and young at least for me it's there's nothing to do but work yeah <laughs> yeah didn't yeah, want to exactly. be a social it seems like there comes a point where an entrepreneur becomes confident enough that they can take a day off in the middle of the week and i think that stems from in my opinion in your mind you've reached some level of success so what was like the first time where you guys like looked at each other and said, this is actually successful. Heroes and Castles won. We launched Heroes and Castles one and Block Fortress uh, launched pretty much back to back. A couple and, months after. And they were, yeah, Heroes and Castles, wow, this game. I think it made it into like number eight on the Apple top paid charts. And then, and it was like, whoa. So <laughs> that was, yeah pleasant surprise because yeah. that was right after sky gnomes oh, and mad jeff which were our two oh, man. worst we games. were that was when we were making like the 200 each a month oh man, and man. at that point we shifted our focus from previously we were all four working on one game at a time and we were all co-designers so we would butt heads every now and that then, was you know? stressful yeah it was I mean, actually i think that was a big turning point for our company in general definitely in general yeah i think we've been pretty good about adapting to our personal needs and the company needs yeah prior to heroes and castles yeah we all four worked on the same game and it was we we talked earlier about how well we work together but we we also have some strong (laughs) wills and strong design uh, contrasting design ideas that were a pain to work out because it's in game design there's no wrong decisions it's your concept versus my concept i think my concept yeah. better and yeah. especially and it's exacerbated when you're doing when your company is sucking yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah that's you know, it's sure. like every decision seems like life or death it's like, we need this game to do well so it's like, trust my decisions no trust my decision yeah. it's god this sucks <laughs> the crazy thing about sky gnomes was like i remember the articles coming out about it because it was like really <laughs> yeah we got something new one. crazy <laughs> or whatever crazy idea or new idea maybe within games and or mobile games and so i remember being like super pumped for that release like this <laughs> then one you played is it. gonna blow up <laughs> it was like oh god that's... well also it just some of it speaks to the randomness in the industry i mean heroes and castles and block fortress that period that was actually just made possible back then we were all over this site called touch arcade which was a small ish mobile gaming site the editors knew of us and we were on the forums and stuff and we randomly got reached out to by an Apple editor and that I feel like really was the catalyst for our games. And I just, I, sometimes I just think editor hadn't just been like randomly looking through the forums at that time or randomly saw that who knows what our future could have been. I don't know how much longer we could have lasted if heroes and castles and block fortress didn't get an Apple feature. I don't know where they would have ended up and I don't know how much longer we would have been able to sustain. So there is definitely a big luck factor in it and, it, and we've been lucky regarding your original question about when we thought we arrived, too. I remember there was always a number that early on in our career that we had hoped we would hit in our daily income. We were thinking, like, man, if we could get to this number, like, we would be set. And we're, like, we're past that number now, but it's just funny how... It still feels it still feels very similar. I was thinking on the way over here, I don't know if you've seen the movie Soul, and if anybody hasn't seen it, there's spoiler alert right here. 
But in the end of the movie, <laughs> in the end of the, the whole movie, he's like trying to get into this famous band and trying to start gigging with this band. And he finds like he's been wanting to do that his whole life. And he finally gets there at the end of his life. And he thinks it's going to just absolutely solve all his problems. And his life is going to be so profoundly different. And he gets into the band and then he realizes his life is pretty much the same. But it's like he's still got his problems and stuff. It's nice to be in the band, but I feel like that's similar to us with that number. I used to think, man, if we could get this much every day, like my life would be perfect. (laughs) We're now passing it. So my life's pretty similar to what it was before. I'm still happy with what I'm doing and stuff, but I do feel a little more comfortable. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. Like you talked about the barriers to entry earlier and I used to have an Etsy shop and people comfy times comfy times <laughs> and it blew up one day because I just happened to be on the front page for an hour <laughs> and after that like I was crocheting 80 hours a week and so it's just wild now there's no way that I could replicate that to happen again. You know what I mean? And so you're talking about the Apple features. It's just, it's awesome that you entered the industry when you did. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Those features are everything. Yeah. Luck. It's interesting talking about luck because it's definitely luck plays a part, but it's like getting noticed by the editor. It's put in a lot of work, uh, being present on the forums and obviously there's we made what i thought was good games and stuff and it's that it's not like pure luck we definitely it's you make your own luck or whatever it's interesting thinking about that yeah and also when i was talking about how we were all designing back at the beginning after sky gnomes and mad chef of mad chef our our whole thing changed from all designing and working on one game to Every project has one designer, and we we actually started working on two games at once. Heroes and Castles was Jamie's design, and I would be I would do the programming, and then Tom was working on Block Fortress at the same time. He was the designer and the programmer, and I think that also helps when it comes to luck because we treat the feature as a roll of the dice. You release a game, you make it good, so hopefully they see it and they like it, but it's still a roll of the dice, and when you get when we're making two at once instead of one at once, it's doubling our chances of getting a yeah. feature. So we just, we started to, we tried to do it faster. And I mean, we probably, we cut a little bit of the extra flair that we had in some of our earlier games because they make it more complete and polished and all that. But ultimately, when you're not making a lot of money and you need to make money, <laughs> you got to cut that stuff out so you can get to get more games out and get our rolls of the dice going. And it just happened to go. Those next two both hit very well for us. Yeah. I think that's an important part of development as well. Mobile development. We're not talking about a console here. We're talking about playing a game on a small screen. It's like knowing what is important, what the gamer is going to notice and see is when you're such a small team, it's very important. You can, you could put, years into polishing a game and if when it flops what was the point <laughs> right yeah. i it mean, always bugged me in heroes and castles too that there weren't or heroes and castles that there weren't more details you know <laughs> <laughs> i told him i said we need more details jamie uh, this may not 
be true, but you guys tell me. I feel like once a company reaches a certain level of success, all of a sudden people come out of the woodworks and want to give you advice. Is there, has there ever been a time where someone has pitched you a game idea? Oh that was God. so hilarious. It was hard to not like laugh. We on the cut spot. it off before, before they even get to the yeah. idea part. Everybody <laughs> thinks, oh, remember when we, we used to have a ground floor space with big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If, if you ever rent out office space, don't rent out like a retail space. Unless we thought you would, want people in there. We thought it would be cool <laughs> that we'd have like, for. Yeah, we thought we'd have like devices to demo our games and stuff. Instead, all we got was uh, a bunch of people, like many of them were homeless, who would just pop in and be like, hey, what are you guys doing here? Uh, oh, games? I got a game idea. And it's, <laughs> what the? I mean, yeah, so many people are just like, I've got a great game idea. And what, what, they don't understand is that we all have we're all sitting on like 50 game ideas ready to it's it's all about the execution though so it's no thanks but no thanks we probably all have a note in our phone with all the game ideas yeah. that we it comes yeah, up you write it down and then it's i'll probably never get to make that exactly but what's yeah. the dumbest idea that you've come up with <laughs> miles <laughs> <laughs> I've started a lot of games and scrapped them. Yeah, actually, Miles is the only person who hasn't finished a game. No, not to say it, that's because he's he's basically omnipresent. Miles is in the background of every game. I'm, I don't think he really cares. He's updating the engine constantly on throughout every game. Yeah, I don't think why why haven't you, Miles? <laughs> I get burnt out on the engine work. Then I start working on a game and I'm like this thing <laughs> get burnt out on that <laughs> yeah just but rotates uh, getting burnt out it also but making a game lets me use the engine so then I can see what really sucks in the engine and what like <laughs> needs to be improved on or what would really be good to new stuff into the engine yeah he just ignores everybody everybody <laughs> else and smiles yeah. I need this yeah, yeah the people they'll ask me for uh stuff and it's it's hard because I don't ever get to see the rewards so it's like I can spend months working on something and it's, it feels like I didn't work on anything for the past couple months but when I if I'm making a game and I say hey the engine it would be really good if it supported this or that and then I add it in and I get to use it in the game I'm working on, it's, oh, this is awesome. And then I'm like, all right, I'm scrapping <laughs> Time this to quit. Yeah. <laughs> Time to quit. There's been a few things where it's, you'll start making a game and be like, I added this thing that you've been asking for two years because I can't believe it's not there already. <laughs> Thank you. Finally. Yeah, our, our, our worst performing games were what? Sky Gnomes and Mad Chef. Definitely. <laughs> I look at those games, I, I think they're, well, Sky Gnomes... It, it had, had some problems. flaws. It had some gameplay issues. Uh, Mad Chef, I thought, was actually like top I to bottom. Mad a pretty. Chef. It was. Yeah. A, it was a good game. It was. It looked good. It was polished. It was like unique gameplay. Yeah. But obviously, it was a bad idea because it's a huge flaw. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like those games we we went away a little bit from our niche. We got. Yeah. We got a little. Uh, scared of the downtrend of like our revenue and we were like okay everyone else is doing all these casual games let's give it a whirl making our own and work out yeah it's because we had already developed a an audience of i guess i'd categorize them as like mid-core uh users like gamers that aren't like hardcore gamers there's like a mix between casual and and, and gamers it's like and a casual nerd yeah <laughs> <Okay>. exactly <laughs> yeah and then we sort of got scared and 
did casual and that didn't <laughs> go let's well. not do that <laughs> yeah let's get back to the roots and that's when we did heroes and castles in block fortress if there's any sort of failure that you learned from yeah for me personally my so we each do our individual games it's interesting my last game was a flop and it was like the longest game I had spent working on it and just speaks to some of the other stuff that we had talked about here today about polish level and what matters and what doesn't and how there's just so much luck involved and it was actually a sequel to Block Fortress. I spent a lot of time on that game thinking it was like a slam dunk because it was a sequel to one of our most successful games and it just for whatever reason it just didn't hit so it was just it was an interesting learning experience for me and just in general to reinforce that whole concept of you can't take it too personally. When that game when that game didn't do well, it was like a gut punch. I'd been working on it for three years, and it just felt like I'd just become personally attached to that game. And I feel in the world, just turning this into a piece of advice at large, in the world of business, there's so many things. There's so much luck, and it's. I feel like you just don't see a lot of the failures in the world. You hear everybody knows who Steve Jobs is. Everybody knows who like all these successful people are, Elon Musk and and Jeff Bezos. And it's you don't hear about the 10,000 people that started a business who are probably a lot of them very talented and who had a great product that might have succeeded in an alternate world that just didn't for whatever reason. And I don't know, I'm making another game now and sticking with it. And I feel like lesson learned, like there's a lot of factors in success and I feel like it's important to stick with it even in the face of failure and to not take that personally. Yeah. And just be proud of what you put out. Yeah. How do you feel yeah. about your project? Are you proud of it? Cause just if it doesn't, if it's not successful, it doesn't mean it's not a good product or anything like that. A lot of my, every game I've put out, has been a flop. I learned that early. <laughs> I like, I think for me, Reading, I, everybody hears it. You read 10 good comments and then you read one negative one. And the only thing that sticks with you is the negative one. For the longest time, I still do it to a degree, but I just don't read anything. Yeah. <laughs> and that helps. And I think now I've grown enough where I feel like I could read something and just be like, whatever. A lot of the negative comments are just like trolls. They don't know anything about the business. They don't know anything about game dev. So it's... yeah. Why should yeah. I put stock in your opinion on this? Because exactly. who are you? <laughs> who are you? Exactly. <laughs> you put out a game. I'll never forget. And then tell me. <laughs> One of the, I can't remember which game it was now. I and mean, I may be telling this story wrong, so you can correct me. But it was a game you had been working on for a long time. Obviously, no one knows the amount of work that goes into these things. But a long time in the making, finally it comes out. And it's like the second comment that somebody made was just looks shit. NY Zombies too, right? You can't even form a complete sentence <laughs> yeah, right. for yeah. your negative review. It was yeah. like the announcement yeah, on like Facebook, a, I think. No, it was uh, it was the, the Touch Arcade post, oh. a forum post about the launch of the game. And it was like, here we go, baby. You can still say <laughs> that looks, about yeah. pretty much everything. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever any, either of us show... Uh, that was one another punch. something new <laughs> <laughs> yeah obviously as i do the art so it's like direct reflection on me it's like somebody's like look worse than a ps1 game is <laughs> oh my god <laughs> all right guys thank you for coming on our podcast today and uh, spilling the beans yeah <laughs> <laughs> <It's on. laughs>
Thanks for listening to Sips and Stories with David and Bethany Morgan. This podcast was produced by Podcast Carry. Please consider leaving us a review at Apple Podcasts and follow the show on social media at Sips and Stories Podcasts.